This episode of TGC Q&A is sponsored by Windshape Teams. Retreat with your leadership team and experience deeper connection through discovery and reflection of biblical leadership principles. Learn more at windshapeteams.org. Hi, and welcome back to TGC Q&A. I'm Stephen Morales, and today we have a special episode for you, featuring a conversation with Nancy Guthrie and Joni Erickson Tata we recorded last fall. In this conversation, they discuss several questions Christians face when met with suffering. Questions like, can Christian suffering with hope be a compelling apologetic for the gospel? How should we imagine heaven? Is it escapist denial to think a great deal about heaven? And how should we think about and pray for healing? Let's listen in. Johnny, I'm thinking that I met you actually 20 years ago last month. Yikes. And I remember exactly what I said when I met you. What was that? Uh, we were out in California, and I said to you, Johnny, I've been reading your book on heaven because my daughter just went there. I love that book on heaven. In fact, you just redid it. Yeah, I did uh, because I've... I've learned more, I've grown more, I've studied more, I've cried more, I've suffered more. And there's so much more we can always learn about our eternal estate. Yeah. So when you think about heaven, uh, going to be in the presence of Christ, Mm. do um, do you try to imagine what it's like? Or what's that like for you when you think about heaven? What does it mean to you to set your heart on heaven? Oh, boy. Well... You know, when you look at all the the, uh, references to heaven in scripture, they can tend to sound so clunky and and unimaginative, um, golden thrones, uh, streets of gold, uh, glassy rivers, crystal rivers. It's hard to imagine it. And so I I just take God's advice and, and do my best to, quote, lay up treasures in that heaven. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know I'll be with the Lord Jesus. And that's what will make it heavenly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I kind of follow John Edward, Jonathan Edwards' advice where he said that, this is to paraphrase it, he said that everything we do down here on earth has a direct bearing on our capacity for worship and joy and service in heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and that gives me a cue. That means that every day I can invest in it. I can, I can do little bits of drastic obediences. I can trust him more. I can believe God's word more. I can... I can follow him more nearly, dearly, closely. Mm-hmm. I, I, and in doing so, I'm enlarging my eternal estate. And that to me is just, I get so excited to think that I might have more joy in heaven than I can possibly even imagine if I would but trust him, if I would but obey him. And, and I don't want to diminish my eternal estate. I don't want to jeopardize it. I don't want to dim, diminish it or, or, or lessen it. I want to increase it because I want to, I just want to hear those words, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't Don't you? Absolutely. You know, I I think so often Christian conversations about heaven can sometimes diminish it. Mm. Um, You know, sometimes I think heaven gets talked about only in terms of seeing those we love who have gone before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we value that, don't we? I do. I mean, sometimes it actually takes my breath away that that's really true. Yeah. That I will see. But it's kind of a I've fringe lost. benefit, isn't it? It's a the, fringe benefit, yeah. yes. It is not the big thing. I mean, certainly if we look at scripture, I mean, I, 
you know, I, I'm not much on people writing books or talking about their experiences and who say they've been to heaven, but there's five people I will trust in the Bible. You know, I'll trust <laughs> Isaiah yeah. and I'll trust Paul and I'll trust John yep. and I'll trust Ezekiel. I mean, these are testimonies of having seen into the reality of heaven. And so what they focus on is what really excites my heart about yeah, heaven yeah. because all of them, they focus on a throne hmm. and someone seated on the throne of the universe. Having, having the appearance of a man, but not quite like. Yes. Yeah. When he looks as if he's been slain. Right. As if. So he bears the marks yeah. of his very human suffering. Yeah. But, uh, I'm with you. The joy of heaven is going to be many of things, but mm -hmm. what the Bible sets yeah. before us is this joy we're going to have at being in oh. his presence oh, and yes, seeing him yes, face yes, to face. Yes, I can't wait. You know, don't, and this, what you're saying is resonating because, I mean, you look at me in this wheelchair paralyzed for 52 years, and most people would think, oh, you're looking forward to your new body. And yeah, okay, that's again one of those fringe benefits. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking forward to the new heart, a heart free of manipulating others with precisely timed phrases, a heart free of fudging the truth, a heart free of hogging the spotlight, believing my own press releases, you know, all that stuff, <laughs> a heart free of uh, not believing the best of others, a heart free of caving into fear or anxiety about the future. I mean, I just can't wait to have a heart free of sin. I will be holy as he is holy. Heaven is this mm. holy habitation of holy people. and. So let's get ready and start being holy down here on earth so that we can enjoy him more in heaven. That to me is heavenly, to be able to, oh Jesus, it's you, it, it's really, I'm here and I'm with you. And that's the big deal about heaven. I think we should sing about it. Yeah. How wonderful, how glorious, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how glorious is my Savior's love for me. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. You know, in Isaiah 54, um, I was just telling some friends about this last night. Uh, Isaiah 54, the first verse, sing, O barren woman, burst into song. I love that. I mean, because we all are barren. We all have physical times of barrenness, times when our prayers are lifeless, times when our love is cold, when we see no fruit in our lives. And what are we supposed to do when we feel that barrenness is sing, burst into song, just, just like we just did, because... Um, we have so many good reasons to rejoice. Oh my goodness, we have our citizenship in heaven, our home in heaven, our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and in the blood of Christ. We, we've got new names. We'll have new responsibilities, pillars of God's temple, whatever that means. And we'll judge fallen angels. I mean, there's so many things that are going to be about heaven that are just going to make heaven so heavenly. Mm -hmm. And it'll all be about worshiping the Lord Jesus. I... I, I um, I like to think that um, I'm the bride getting ready, you know, for the wedding supper of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. And how can we best get ourselves ready but to trust and obey and believe Him more and serve Him with happier hearts and, mm -hmm. and uh, 
and, and just grab onto his word like anchors of scripture that help us through the day. Mm. I mean, just get ready for heaven. That's what life is all about. Well, we are getting ready as we love him now and knowing that the day is going to come when we will see him face to face. Yeah. And you and I can be hand in hand. Yeah. Seeing him face to face. And we'll see your little ones that, we, yeah. that you've lost. You know. But we'll gaze something. together. Together. We'll gaze upon him. Yeah. yeah. Johnny, I remember long before I met you, I was standing in the back of a hotel ballroom and you were up front and I was just watching the audience as they listened to you. And I remember thinking to myself, what is it that makes everyone lean in so closely to listen mm. to what Johnny has to say? And I realized it's our suffering. Mm. That suffering gives a person some credibility uh, to talk about the things of Christ. Have, have you found that to be true over yeah, your lifetime? Yeah, it's, and it's, why do you think that is? Uh, well, it's 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 a platform that um, gives one authority. Um, I I can't imagine talking about welcoming a trial as friend as a friend without having welcome that trial as a friend. Mm -hmm. And we're such visual people, we're such sensual people, we're, we're so in tune to, the, to what we can see and feel and touch and hear and smell. And, and to see somebody, and, and this is why those who inspire me are most often other quadriplegic friends, mm -hmm. and I, I see their smile in the midst of what is obviously to me such grief and loss yeah. and heartache and hardship. Yeah. And I see their smile. I think if they can trust the Lord Jesus, living like they're living, and if they tell me that they see it working all together for their good yes. and God's glory, I'm going to believe them. Yeah. I'm going to listen to what they have to say. I want them praying for me because, oh my goodness, their prayers have authority. They speak with not only empathy and understanding, but they, they, they know about that of which they're speaking and, and, and telling me. And, and uh, they helped me know that I can make it as well. Yeah. I've got a couple of quadriplegic friends who are, they've been in bed. One of them has been in bed for 15 years. And when, when she talks to me about trusting Christ, I listen. Mm -hmm. The woman's got authority. She's mm -hmm. done it. She's been there. She's living it. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us can do that, can't we? Mm -hmm. With our friends, our neighbors, our, our, our sisters and brothers in Christ if we can but showcase that smile in the midst of yeah. adversity. Yeah. And I'm not talking about a hypocritical smile like pasted on the right. Colgate. I'm talking about, okay. Honest about the hardship of it. Hardship and of yet. it. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach my heart mm -hmm. what it isn't feeling mm -hmm. by stepping ahead and giving the smile that I know mm -hmm. God will give me mercy to mm -hmm. feel at some point later on. It's like uh, Piper talks about mouthing words of thankfulness. You might not feel thankful in a situation, but you begin saying, Jesus, I thank you that today I'm sitting up in a wheelchair. I thank you that today there are no bladder infections, that I can breathe easily, that I can move forward, that I'm, you, know, you just, you, you say it, you say it with your mouth, and in so doing you stir up thanks yes. in your heart. Yes. And I think that's, uh, when you tell people that and then they see it, you've got the authority yeah, yeah, yeah. to say it. You know, at our retreats that we do for couples who have lost children, uh, at one point I asked them the question, do you sense that people are watching you? Mm. 
and I know you've felt that your whole life, right? That, that when you suffer, people are watching you, and I, I think they're watching, especially, I think both Christians and unchristians are, wa are watching, and I think there's something they're watching for. I think they're watching for, does Jesus make any difference yeah. at all when the worst thing you can imagine happens to you? Yeah. They really want to know. I think, I think they're watching, because especially when they watch someone who's experienced their worst nightmare, yeah. and they want to see, does Jesus make any difference? Could I expect that if that does happen to me, that this faith that I've at least given lip service, could I expect that it would somehow equip me, that it would strengthen me, that maybe I could have genuine joy and rest and peace in the midst of the heartache and that I wouldn't be destroyed by it. And I, I think that's an incredible opportunity for us as believers because we want to show people, you know what, this Jesus, I'm not just giving lip service to him, yeah. but when the going gets rough, he is at work in the interior of my life. Yeah. And this faith I've given lip service to, it's the real deal. Yeah. And suffering, I think, is, the, is what gives us the opportunity yeah, yeah. to put that on display. Well, and you're not just inspiring those who are watching on. You're not just lifting their spirits and, and inspiring them. You, somehow your victories, because we are intimately linked together in the body of Christ, somehow your victories become hers, mm. who, who, who observe you and watch you. But, but not just those around us, Nancy, as you were talking, I was thinking of the audience is much wider oh. and bigger. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, uh, help me, Jesus, it says, uh, It is now God's purpose that through the church, his manifold wisdom should be made known to the powers and principalities. So when, when you're persevering with your smile and when you are making Jesus, he's real in your life and those can see it, there are millions and millions and millions and millions of unseen beings that are on tiptoe watching to see just how great you think God really is, that he might inspire such loyalty. They, they want to they see themselves. Is God really this big? Let's see, it, let, let's see if he is worked out through, through, through his grace exhibited in this person's life. And it's like suddenly your life becomes the blackboard upon which God is chalking all these amazing lessons about himself before the powers and principalities that think he's dirtied himself by trifling with dog nasty sinners. You know, they, they, they think that God has, has ruined his reputation, stained his good name by, by caring about those rotten sinners down there. But, but you and your obedience is, are showcasing, God is using you to showcase, uh-uh, it's all about mercy. It's all about mercy and love and grace and tender loving kindness. And, and we get to do that. What an incredible privilege. Oh, my goodness. At the lowest places of our lives. Yes. To sense that God is at work. And in these low places of life, the work of God on the interior of our lives 
is being put on display for the world to see. For the world, and for the unseen world. And for the unseen world. Unbelievable, what a privilege. If only we could have that big picture view of life. Yeah. Sometimes suffering, the first thing it'll do, it'll cause you, and you know this, Nancy, you get all claustrophobic, you get all inbred, you get so inward looking, you become ghettoized and, 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 and isolated and, and insulated against, against other people's concerns. And it all becomes all about me yes. and my pain and how much I'm hurting. And if we could but crack that exterior, exterior and, and see beyond our own selves to what the big picture really is, it will brighten our hearts and give us the vision to step out beyond ourselves, don't you think? Absolutely. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified today. So I was up early yesterday morning, Johnny before church, and I turned on a TV preacher. I was wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt <laughs> <laughs> that maybe his message was more solid than I thought it might be. But here was his message. He said, never pray if it be your will, then heal me. But that it is always God's will to heal and therefore, we just say, Jesus, I'm receiving your healing. Wow. I just wonder how that hits you. I mean, over your lifetime, I know that you've had so many people who wanted to pray for your healing, that you would leave this wheelchair behind. But I also know that in recent years, as you've dealt with two bouts of breast cancer and yeah. gone through radiation, I get emails from you that say, pray, yes, pray that God will work in my body at this radiation point and bring healing. So I just wonder, how do you, how do you make sense of these things? Do you? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, um, you got to go to scripture to make sense of it all. Because, um, yes, in one hand, God wants us to pray for healing. We're told in James, if any of you is ill, you know, go to the elders, get anointed with oil, confess your sins. But once you've done that, what are Jesus' priorities? Well, yeah, Jesus wants you healed in the sense that he despises suffering. He doesn't take any delight in it. He spent most of his time on earth trying to remove it. But Jesus' priorities, I think, are clearly uh, displayed when he, when he says about those blind eyes that he has healed and those withered hands that he has touched and healed. He says, if that eye caused you to sin, pluck it out. If this hand leads you astray, cut it off. Much better to go through life maimed than to set yourself on a course where, where, where you're gonna end up self-destroying. Mm -hmm. And so I think right there we see the priorities of our Savior. He is much more concerned about the healing of our inward soul, about getting rid of sin. God's, God's core plan in rescuing us is to get us, get, get us free of sin. Not only when we first believed, you know, when we prayed to receive Jesus, but as you know, we not only were saved, we are even now being yes. saved. That, that the new creation has come. Absolutely. But then Paul also tells us yeah, that's a work, there's a renewing work that's going on in the interior of our lives, but at the same time, yeah. the outside is wasting, wasting away. away. It's supposed to waste away. And it's, it's this tent. Yep. Well, tent's temporary. Yep, it's going to get threadbare, you're going to get cancer, you're going to get the flu, going to break your leg, 
you're going to get Alzheimer's, ALS, your child might be born with muscular dystrophy. I mean, this is just part of what it means to live in a broken world. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know that uh, in Isaiah, we're told that the eyes of the mind will be open and the ears of deaf unstopped and the tongues of those who can't speak are going to shout for joy and the lame are going to leap like deer. And, and that's going to be a glorious day when that happens. Mm -hmm. and, in, and in fact, when Jesus walked on earth, he gave us sneak previews didn't he? Right. Yes. of that coming attraction. Mm -hmm. You know, but we can't always be expecting in the present what he's reserved for later. Exactly. He's reserved. Uh, uh, he, he was giving us these tastes and glimpses in his healing ministry, wasn't he? Yeah. Of what this world is going to be like, yeah. what our bodies are going to be like on this day that is to come when to his come. kingdom comes and his will is done right. on earth right. as it is in heaven, which is what we pray for. Uh, but we're not there yet. We are not there. Got a long way to go. And in the meantime, we can better fit ourselves for that day when the eyes of the blind will be open and the lame will leap like deer. We can better fit ourselves for that day. We can better fit ourselves for heaven by allowing God to use the, the hardships and the sufferings that he doesn't remove. I mean, if we prayed for healing, Jesus, heal me of this cancer. Heal. I pray, Jesus, heal me of my chronic pain. I'm in terrible pain all the time, and it's like Jesus. And... It just, it just doesn't seem anything going to go away. So what am I to do about that? Am I to bemoan the fact that, oh, I don't have enough faith. God's will is that I be depressed. I mean, of course not. This could very well be God's choices tool to hone, shape, polish, chip off the edges, get me ready for heaven, get me holy. Jesus, there's sin in my life. It's, it's rising to the surface because I'm resentful that my hip pain is still there. I can see it, the bitterness, the anxiety, the fear, the worry. Get rid of it, Jesus. I, I, I don't even know that I could be capable of such fear and bitterness and anger and worry were it not for that pesky hip. And so in a way, I can give thanks even for that because it bubbles up within me the stuff like dross that needs to be just needs to be skimmed off the surface of my soul so that again I might be better outfitted for as you said that glorious day yet to come when and he who began a good work in you oh yeah will be faithful to complete it to complete it but when at the day of Christ Jesus at the day of Christ Jesus at that day when the healer when his healing it won't be uh, temporary. Uh, it'll be eternal. Yeah. It won't be partial. Mm -hmm. It'll be plentiful. It'll be permanent. You won't just yeah. like heal a body temporarily here and then someone's going to die later. It's going to be permanent right. forever. Is he a healer? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. You know, so many people quote to me that verse, but Johnny, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he healed then, he's going to heal now. But what a short-sighted, physical, temporal view of that verse. Yes, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's always compassionate. He's always good. He's always kind. He, he's always looking out for, for what glorifies his Father best. And that's how he doesn't change from yesterday, today, and forever. But the way in which he deals with us will change. Mm -hmm. I mean, my goodness, look at the Israelites wandering in the desert. Their shoes did not wear out. Mm -hmm. Their clothes did not go threadbare. Does that mean our shoes and our clothes today should, you know, last us to the ground? Of course not. God's purposes for his people change the ages and his plan, the way he works with his people. But he never changes. He's going to be as gracious to me in my salvation 
as he is gracious to me, when that pesky hip starts really hurting. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's where it requires trust on my behalf mm -hmm. and faith in his word mm -hmm. that, like you said, he will perform that, that good work that he began at me. He'll complete it. All I, have to do, all I have to do is get actively engaged with his spirit every single day mm -hmm. and just agreeing with him, yep, get me ready, get me ready for heaven. Yeah. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing our praise than when we first begun. Thanks for listening to this special episode of TGC Q&A. I hope you found it encouraging. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to TGC Q&A today on any platform where podcasts can be found. Thanks.